Good morning. Hey, my name is Trey Foster. I go here just like you. And um, I'm also an art teacher. And among other things, a dad. That's the best part. Um, but I'm just really excited for Christmas. I hope you are too. I know it's going to be a weird one, but I'm still excited. Don't care. Um, I have always loved Christmas. I've always loved the traditions, the like presents. I'm I'm unashamedly about presents. Like I don't care. My family tried to like cancel presents over like multiple years, or like do homemade presents, and I was just very much like, hey, no, I want you to buy me something from KB Toys. The year that I stopped getting toys for Christmas um, will be a bad year. Uh, but you could probably tell from that. Uh, Something that I have learned over the past couple of years is that I, I struggle to go home, especially at holidays because all my family is there. I really struggle uh, to be Christ-like. Like I, I revert to this weird seven-year-old version of myself where I want to like pull my sister's hair and kick my brothers in the shins. Uh, and it, I don't know, just this like, it just comes out of me in a way that I, I honestly hate. Like I do not like the person that I am when I go home around Christmas time, and it's and it's selfishness and it's childishness and it's it just it's just bad. My mom has to like pull me aside and be like, "Stop, you're being a child." Um, and so, in preparation for Christmas this year, and I and I started doing this last year, um, I've been doing some Advent readings, some you know some like Bible studies, things kind of preparing me and my heart for Christmas and for like the coming of Jesus. But also, like, for my time with my family, because, like, that's where I want to look like Jesus, um, and I do a horrible job of that. So uh, I started reading through a couple of different things this year, and, and joy came up, which we sing about at Christmas a lot. We sang joy to the world today, um, which was fortuitous. I forgot to ask that that happened, so it, yay. Um, but I realized, like, very quickly I have no idea, like, what joy really is, um, and it, 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 it spiraled me for a second, but like it led me down this crazy rabbit hole that I want to take you down today. Like that's my goal, um, is that I want to show you something that I got really excited about, because uh, joy is something that um, we should be really good at, and it's something we should talk about a lot. It's actually in the Bible like a ton, not just at Christmas. Um, it's all throughout. Uh, and I think that growing up in the church, I, I, for some reason, like, didn't get that vibe. It wasn't like, hey, joy is, like, super important. important. Um, there were a lot of things that, that I got that were talked about, like, way more than joy, that are in the Bible way less, or maybe not even in the Bible at all. So I want to take you down this rabbit hole with me. Um, and I got really excited about this, and this has been bouncing around in my brain for a really long time. And I finally got it down onto paper. Um, and I hope that it comes out right. If, and if it doesn't, I just pray that the Lord tells you what I'm trying to say. So, here's where we are. Uh, I got to the point where I, ha I realized I didn't know what joy was because I read this verse. Uh, it's John 15, which, growing up in the church, I'm very familiar with John 15 um, because it's the vine and the branches. It's where Jesus is telling his disciples to remain in him, to st that, he, that he is the source of life for them. There's like... If you grew up going to Sunday school, you've heard like a million analogies about John 15 and you have memorized it and then forgotten it and then memorized it again and then forgotten it and then you finally just got a Bible app and 
Then it leads into this. So right after Jesus says, like, I'm the vine, the branches, or you're the branches, all this stuff, uh, he says this, and, and, he, and it brings joy up in a way that, that honestly confounds me. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love hath no one than this, than he who lay down his life for his friends. Um, that's just, to me, kind of, um, I don't know, contradictory, a little jumbled, because he's talking about love and commands and joy and sacrifice, and it led me to this idea that like, I just didn't know what joy was. Because in, in my mind, joy, right, like this idea of like Christmas joy, um, like elf, um, like can't exist among some of these things. It can't exist among laying my life down. It can't exist in, this, in, in commands. And, and it was hard for me to wrap my mind around. So I decided I need to figure out what joy was. And so we're going to come back to that verse later once I take you through what I kind of went through. So... Um, at first, I thought joy was just happiness, like extreme happiness, right? Like, here's happiness, here's joy. Um, but biblically, that, it doesn't really stand up. Like, the more that I kind of scrolled through the Bible and, and tried to, like, look at, at instances where God talks about joy, um, it's not always happy. Or, or sometimes it's, like, paired with all kinds of other crazy things. Take James 1, for example. This is, I love the book of James. It was so fun to preach through James earlier this year. Um, but James says this. He starts it off with this. Hey, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That seems hard, like right off the bat. And it can't mean happiness. You, like facing trials just can't be happy all the time um, because we're not really in control of happiness. It just kind of happens to us, right? Um, where like you, you don't just choose to smile. You're like, oh, I'm so happy now. This is great. Like happiness kind of happens and, it's, and then it fades. And, and he says... Consider it pure joy when you face trials. Uh, so I immediately was like, okay, it's not, it's not happiness. It can't just be extreme happiness. Um, and then I started to think, like, maybe it was, like, anti-happiness. That was wrong, too. Um, and maybe I thought, I started to think that maybe it was just, like, counterfeit happiness. But uh, let's, look at, let's look at another verse, because I think it starts to paint an even bigger picture here. Uh, this is in Hebrews. In my Bible, it's actually only one page behind. Uh, this is Hebrews 12, 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It can't mean happiness here. It doesn't make sense to say that Jesus was so happy that he went to the cross. It has to be something deeper than that. Happiness can totally be a part of it. I don't think happiness gets pushed out here. But I think that, that what, I'm, what I was starting to realize is that joy is something much deeper, something unshakable, something that, that is more foundational than happiness because happiness is, is fleeting. Um, and, you know, I remember kind of coming across this and, and originally thinking like, okay, maybe like happiness is like counterfeit joy. That, that, that happiness is actually a bad thing. Um, and and that's, not, that's not true. Um, you know, I was talking to, to Mike Massey about this, and, and, he, and he said something that, that kind of blew my mind. But, like, 
I, as a father, want my son to be happy. Not in like a superficial, like you get everything that you want, like you're spoiled type of happy, but his happiness brings me happiness. Like his um, excitement brings me excitement. Like I want him to have good things and I want to see him kind of like discover good things. So, so happiness is good. It's not like joy is, is replacing happiness in any way. Um, but I think that it is, it is sort of happiness plus that it is, it is a happiness that has more to it. Um, and so as I'm like thinking about this, I'm like, okay, when was a time, like I still can't really wrap my, my mind around this, when was a time that like I truly felt joy? Like then, if I, if I think about this time where I like actually experienced joy, maybe I can pinpoint a definition because I'm still at this point where like I can't really define this thing for myself and for like what I see in the Bible. And so Amelia, I think of, of the birth of my son. Like Arlo's birth, and, and his life is the most joyous thing that I have. And so I'm going to tell you that story. Uh, it starts on the weekend after Thanksgiving last year. And we um, were super close to our due date, right? Like this is December 1st or something like that. His due date is the 7th. It's right around the corner. We're super excited. But like Stanko's just like really ready to have a baby and just kind of like tired of being pregnant at this point. So we decide that it's fine to make the trip up to Harrisonburg uh, to, to have Thanksgiving dinner with my family because it's only an hour and a half away. And so we get in the car and we go and we have a great time. But as we're eating, she's like, I feel weird, which is like a weird, like you can't say that to your husband when you're like nine months pregnant because I don't know anything. I don't know if you're talking about it's the turkey, it's the baby, the baby got the turkey somehow. Like, I don't know how anything works. So you can't just say, like, I feel weird. Like, you have to tell me, like, what's going on. But it turns out, like, she doesn't really know either. She hasn't done this either. So she's like, I feel weird. And we're like, okay. And then she's like, yeah, and maybe my water broke this morning. Like, that's, that's beside the point, though. Like, I kind of feel weird. I'm like, Wah. And so I go into, like, panic mode. But, like, but like dad panic mode, you know, like the, the kind that like your dad did when you were a kid. And, and I felt like I finally got to do that. So I'm like, we're leaving. Get in the car. Like, bye, everybody. We got to go. It's time to have a baby. It's only an hour and a half away. And I pull into 81, and it's just a parking lot. The weather is terrible. And the one thing that I completely forgot is that the weekend after Thanksgiving, tech traffic and JMU traffic, which is basically our entire drive, ruins 81. There are wrecks all along the, we passed, I don't know, dozens of cop cars pulled over, dealing with people having wrecks, and the weather is terrible, and I just remember, like, thinking I was going to bend the steering wheel in half, like, I'm just, like, holding on as tight as I can, she's like, everything's fine, but then the contractions start, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to have a baby on the side of the road, and we're going to be one of those people that have babies on the side of the road, and that follows you, like, people know that forever. And I remember, like, thinking, like, maybe I should pull over and tell a cop, and then I could have one of those movie moments where they, like, lead me down the shoulder with, like, their sirens on. But then they were going to make us go to a different hospital, so we're like, all right, no, we're going. We've got this. We've got plenty of time. We take, like, back roads. We end up in, like, Botata. I don't know. We got home eventually. And come 10 o'clock the next morning, we're at the hospital. And I'm slightly less uh, crazy but my wife is doing great. Everything is just like kind of awesome and contractions come and go 
And the nurses are super impressed by like how well she handles pain. And I'm like, who knew? My wife is invincible. This is awesome. Like she's just gonna power through this whole thing and it's gonna be incredible. And so everything's like really great and the nurses come in and they're like, hey, there's actually a couple things we could do that sort of like speed up this process. You're doing so well that maybe, you know, we could, you know, twist you around or try a couple different things. And we're like, sure, that sounds great. And the moment they did those things, chaos ensued. Um, pain levels shot through the roof. And that was when I became utterly useless. Uh, because up until that point, like, I could, like, walk her around the halls and, like, you know, hold her hand. But at this point, she's in, like, you know, her own bubble of just excruciating pain. And I'm just there, like, you're doing great. You're fine. It's it's fine. Like, you don't, you don't even know what to say because you're afraid that she's going to be like, no, it's not. Which she didn't. She was great. But it really, it got to this moment where she hit the peak of her pain, where everything just crushed her. And she looked me in the eyes, and it was the most horrible feeling I've ever felt in my whole life because there was nothing I could do, nothing at all. Nothing I could say, nothing I could do. Like, it was just me watching this horrific pain just rack my wife's body. And then my son was born. <laughs> I didn't think that would happen, but it was incredible. And she put him on her chest, and I cut the cord, and I didn't pass out. And it was all worth it. It was perfect. It was exactly what we needed. And he was here. And none of it would have happened without the sorrow and the pain and the surrender. Joy does not exist unless we go to deeper places. I call them heart, heart things. It's a terrible phrase. Um, but it's all I could think of because it's not just sorrow and it's not just pain. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> um, it's in my notes somewhere. I don't know. It's a longing. It's understanding. It's love. It's eternity. It's, it's things that deal with our heart that joy then can grow out of. Um, and that was, that was probably the best example I could think of in my life where regardless of all of those other things, like joy prevailed. And, and it's not joy, like just having Arlo is not joy. Joy is all of it. It is the labor. It is the anticipation. It is the waiting. And that's what we're in. That's Advent. That's, we are waiting the anticipation of Jesus. Um, that's just a side note. But joy thrives on these heart things. And all of these heart things, if you, if you start to, to look throughout Scripture, like what they really are, they're gospel-centered things. And if you hear anything today, hear this. Joy thrives on a gospel-centered life. Because as we follow Jesus, and we lay down our lives, and we do crazy things that don't make sense to the rest of the world, the stuff that he called us to do, then he in turn gives us joy unshakable, crazy, weird joy. Oh, I forgot to share this picture. Dang, I knew I would do this. This is a picture of me bragging to my wife that I could eat fruit by the foot and she could only drink clear liquids. 
which now is less funny because we've already got to the serious part. But she was mad at me. Anyways. Um, I want to look at another piece of scripture real quick just because this realization for me about joy, about like where it truly comes from, um, made me realize that, it, that joy comes from God. So uh, it's just Galatians, I'm not even going to look it up because I have it written down, but Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is, is part of the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Usually that says patience, um, but joy is in there. The Spirit of God that like lives among people, right? Like Jesus left and was like, the helper is coming. It's going to be a really big deal because God's going to live inside of you. That God, that part of God gives us joy. Which brings us back to John 15. This thing that I, I was so like not understanding at first. Um, and now it starts to make sense because it, it puts together um, this, this, this joy that, that grows out of, of hard things, out of heart things. Um, and it puts that with the things that Jesus calls us to do. Um, as a father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. We get that part. We want to remain in Jesus' love. Like, as modern Christians, like, in 2020, like, we're totally about remaining in Jesus' love. This part's where it gets a little tricky. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. See, with my, with my new definition of joy, this starts to make more sense because I know that this next line has to happen in order for joy to be complete. My command is this, right? He said, you better follow my commands. And I'm like, oh, commands, yuck, yuck. But this isn't just a random rule. This is the command that, this is the seed that plants joy. Lay down your life. Greater love has no one than this than, lay, than he who would lay down his life for his friends. It's a, it's a prescription almost. It, it's not like a, an angry, like, you know, kind of way of God saying, like, you know, you have to do this. Jesus is like, you better do these things. No, it's saying, if you want joy, and I want joy for you, I want you to have my joy, then you've got to dig into these hard things. So how do we make this practical? Like, how do we actually experience joy? Because right now it's sort of this, like, big thing, and I've taken you down this rabbit hole, and now I need to sort of, like, pull you back out of my mind and put you back into the real world so that you can actually do this. Um, and the reality is we actually do happiness really well, like, a, in a good way. Like, Christmas is a, a generally pretty happy time. Like, presents are fun. Christmas morning is fun. It's it, it exudes happiness. The whole thing is kind of about that. But then it kind of fades. I remember, like, distinctly sitting in my living room, opening up everything I had asked for. Just like, boom, got it, boom, got it. Like, I love this. This is the best. And then it just goes away. Like, I remember sitting there being like, is it over? I, like, I, for some reason, I thought this would just never end. Like, you'd start giving me things I didn't ask for. Um, a car, maybe? But... It fades as we start to do the dishes, as we, as we start cleaning up wrapping paper and hearing your kids fight over the brand new toys that you just gave them and then possibly breaking them. Like, happiness fades. So how do we take what is already, because this is our jumping point. Like, this is an easy place to be like, okay, I've got happiness. How do I turn this into joy? Like, how do I, how do I 
dig a little bit deeper and get to something that is unshakable, that comes from the Spirit of God, that, that, is, that can see around corners and understands the vastness of eternity. And I think that it is that we need to seek out places where we can deeply love, cling to obedience, and sacrifice um, our lives for other people. We need to revisit sorrow and search for eternity. Uh, it's exactly what Jesus is telling his disciples to do here, to love and to obey and to sacrifice. And so this means that when we go home for Christmas, or when we spend time with our family, or when we're standing next to any person ever, we have to dig just a little bit deeper because we're all going to do the dishes. We're all going to start cleaning up. And that's when conversation happens. That's when we can either say, turn up the music, or we can say, turn down the music, we need to talk. And that part's hard. Like, that part no one wants to really do, especially at Christmas, because happiness will disappear in some of these situations. Joy will not. But, like, happiness will go away when you finally have that conversation with your brother that, like, you're supposed to have. It, it might get heated, but, but joy will prevail. Um, we have to press into places where it will get a little bit messy because that is where joy gets planted and grows out of these heart things. Not out of our kind of superficial, like, I love you, this was great, see you later, we'll do this next year, we'll be happy in 364 days. Jesus wants restoration in your family. He wants joy among your relatives and in your heart. He promises it to us through scripture. And it will look very different for all of us on how this all works, but the, the truth remains the same. God loved the world so much that he sent his son to earth as an infant, a tiny baby, who he knew would die and suffer and be a man of sorrows to rescue us. And that's the gospel, and joy thrives on a gospel-centered life. Let's pray. Lord, take my words um, and turn them into so much more. Lord, I just pray that you would give us your joy, that we would experience true joy, that we would start to see restoration in our families, that we would see big things happen this year, uh, in a year that the world has told us that nothing will happen. Lord, we just pray uh, that we would start to understand joy uh, just a little bit more. Lord, thank you for, for giving us the anticipation of your son. Thank you for saving us. We love you. Amen.